Is that way? <laughs> yes. Doesn't she usually say Blog Talk Radio? Are you there? I'm Long here, but... Radio. Oh, there she is. Oh, there's... What in... There we go. This is All About Wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some, some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. <laughs> That is awesome. Um, Welcome to the show. We are live on Blog Talk Radio as we have been since 2009. And we are live on Facebook, on our Facebook page as we have been since October. October. And (laughs) um, (laughs) if you have any. uh, I'd have to scroll up. I don't know how many pages now. But uh, if you have any questions or comments for Ron during this show, please be sure to post them on our Facebook page and uh, just go there in the comment comment box for our live show. And we will, um, I'll, I'll kind of break into the show and tell them, you know, hey, we got a question or we have a comment, give you a shout out, whatever we got to do. But that's the place to do it. So let us know and uh, welcome to the show. There's Ron. Thank you. We we were just reminiscing about the past year and the problems we had with some connections and problems we had with staying on the air with Blog Talk Radio, with Skype, which I was using for a while there, different things. And now Blog Talk Radio lets me collect, uh, connect directly. And I'll tell you, it's been so much easier. So thanks, Blog Talk Radio, for updates on that stuff. It's easier yeah. than Mike has gotten a couple of updates and new versions of Facebook, and it's getting easier and easier for him to connect too. So, yeah, yeah, we're just, uh, it just makes our job so much easier doing the connection bit. But yeah, it's been, it's been a good year. No reminiscing about past programs or anything. I guess I could go back and talk about some of them, but there's no need to because. There's plenty of stuff to talk about without having to go back. In fact, some of the stuff I'm going to talk about tonight is going back, but still uh, not not completely. A couple bits of, well, let's, let's go over the food calendar here, what we have coming up. Today is Boxing Day and National Candy Cane Day. Boxing Day, I don't know if you're familiar with Boxing Day, it's not so popular in the United States, but Boxing Day comes from the fact that the day after Christmas, employers would give their employees, their servants, their maids, their gardeners, their all these service people, a little box of, uh, of a gift. 
whatever it might be. And hence it became known as Boxing Day. And now it's spread out throughout uh, different countries in the world, not here in the United States, never caught on, very popular in England in that area. But the 26th is Boxing Day. And like I just said, National Candy Cane Day. And it's also the beginning of Kwanzaa. So if you are one who celebrates Kwanzaa, today begins Kwanzaa. I think it's a 12-day or 10-day celebration of Kwanzaa. I'm not sure. But that is today. National Fruitcake Day is tomorrow. Some people love fruitcake. Some people hate fruitcake. What was I just read something somewhere where they discovered a fruitcake that was like 70, 80 years old, or it was being passed around a family for 70 or 80 years or something like that, the same fruitcake. I, I can't remember. But I'm not a fruitcake fan. Some people love them. So I think my engineer loves fruitcake. Saturday, National Chocolate Candy Day. Any boxes of chocolate you have left over after Christmas, share it with everybody else. National Chocolate Candy Day. And have yourself some Cabernet or Pinot Noir or Zimbabwe or Merlot with your chocolate. It really makes for a great, great combination there. So let's keep that in mind. Sunday, National Pepper Pot Day. Pepper Pot. All right, Mike, here's something to look up. Pepper Pot. Uh, I think that's a soup. You know, I think it's a uh, soup, but... Kwanzaa, by the way, is a week-long celebration, week? and it uh, ends ends Wednesday the 1st. Oh, okay. I, I was thinking 10 days, but no. Don't. Okay. And I think each day has a designation, too, on Kwanzaa, a day of peace, a day of uh, forgiveness, and stuff like that. If it, yeah, I can look uh, up Kwanzaa. Pepper pot, pepper pot is a stewed meat dish, uh, strongly flavored with cinnamon, cassa something. <laughs> what? Cassava what? root and other basic ingredients. Uh, Caribbean hot peppers or Caribbean hot peppers, beef, pork, and mutton are the most popular meats used. It's a uh, pepper pot, one word. Mm-hmm. Pepper okay. pot day. Oh. Yeah. No, the soup hmm. that won the Revolutionary War is what I see here. I don't see how. Hmm. Pepper pot. Huh. <laughs> oh, well, learn something new. Today's National Pepper oh. Pot, or Sunday, I'm sorry, National Pepper Pot Day. So y'all get out and make yourself a pepper pot soup that day on Sunday. Yeah, okay. And then Monday, National Bicarbonate of Soda Day. Now, you say, what does that do with wine? Mix some rosé with bicarbonate of soda and and cure that hangover. That could work. And also, Monday's National Bacon Day. That's important. Bacon with everything. Then Tuesday, New Year's Eve, champagne. The out your sparkly. There's all sorts of them out there and everything. So and we talked about sparkly a couple of weeks ago. So the different types that you can get and all that. And have it all the time. Again, I say you don't have to wait until holidays to have sparkling wine. You can do it anytime. But since New Year's Eve is the traditional sparkling wine day, then 
you can do it then. New Year's Day, which is coming up next Wednesday, is National Hangover Day, National Bloody Mary Day, and National Black Eyed Peas Day. Uh, traditional dishes that people have to celebrate and give them good luck throughout the year, Black Eyed Peas being one of them. And there's also oh, cabbage rolls, which is a good one and people have for good luck for the next year. And then there's all sorts of different cultural traditions. I always think that regardless of what it is, wine with it will give you good luck through the next year. So whatever you're going to have, be sure to pop open a bottle of wine to enjoy with your good luck meal on, on uh, January 1st. And then the second, which is our next show, National Cream Puff Day. So there you go. That's what we got coming up for the next week here. And enjoy it and all that. Pepper pot and all. Pepper pot. Never heard of that. Learn something new tonight on the show. Although these different foods, I always tend to learn something new. Apothic Red. You probably have seen that in the stores. E.J. Gallo Winery, Apothic Red, has came out with the Apothic Sparkling Red. You looking for a sparkling for next week or for beyond yeah, Tuesday night? Apothic Red, it's E.J. Gallo Winery, released its first ever limited edition wine, Apothic Sparkling Red. It says it's the color of an 80s red leather jacket. Apothic's Scarlet Sparkler was crafted to be refreshing with its lines of ruby bubbles and its notes of bright cherry, zingy citrus, and red apples, the company said. The limited edition Apothic Apothic Sparkling Red is available nationwide for suggested retail price of $15.99 while supplies last and say how much they made or anything, but interesting. That's something I'm going to have to look for that. That might be a, a, a fun little bubble there. I'll have to look for that and see if I can find that. Gallo, speaking of, Gallo Wineries, Gallo E.G. Gallo announced last month that it has purchased Palmire Winery, which is two of the respected Napa Valley luxury brands known for producing uh, Bordeaux-style wines. Uh, Palmar is recognized by critics worldwide. And oh, what do we have in time? My engineer just brought me a wine. Oh, Barbera. Oh, Barbera d'Asti. I love Barbera. Uh, yeah, we picked this one up because I do love Barbera. I was looking for one that I would enjoy. Uh, DOCG, this is the marcation for the uh, wine. It says... And I'll, well, let me finish Gallo. They bought this uh, winery. They have received acclaim since the 1980s, uh, getting numerous 90-point wine scores and two 100 scores from last year's three vintages. So Palmar, big name, and makes some great wines. They blend of Cabernet Sauvignon Merlot, Cabernet Franc, Petit Verdot, Malbec. Uh, 30th anniversary was just released this year, Palmar. Uh, I'm sure these things, if they're scoring 90 plus and 100 point scores, I'm sure they are not inexpensive. 
Bud Gallows is there. are thrilled to have them as part of the Gallo family, which I'm sure they are. So Palma, P-A-H-L-M-E-Y-E-R, Palmar Winery. If you see any of the wines, they're now Gallo, but they, they look good. Tonight we are having a Barbera di Oste. It is a 2017 vintage La Vacata, or La Vacata, Keka, La Vacata. It says on the back, La Vacata, 2017 Barbera di Oste. Uh, it's got the uh, uh, Dominizon di Original Controlla. Uh, it's Italian. Uh, most good Aussies come are Barberas, or they come from there. 14.5 alcohol by volume, imported by Fullard Fine Wine Partners, Napa. Compass Underground Wine Cellars included in the World Heritage List, and that's all it says. Nothing more of any significance. It's just very basic label on the, what they minimum what they need to say on the back. So, But it is a Barbera, and like I say, I, I am a Barbera fan, uh, be it Italian or domestic California. That's good. And Barbera's good with a lot of stuff. Um, oh, I love the aroma of a Barbera, too. This is a little pepperiness to it on the aroma. Getting some dark fruit, can't pinpoint anything though. Can't pinpoint any particular fruit right now, but I just berries, dark berries. Um, fruity, a little bit of tannins, but barberas usually don't have a lot of tannins. A little bit of tannins, nice balance with the acid. Very little acid too on this. Very, very little wine on, on acid. A lot of fruitiness in it. Again, I can't, can't pinpoint. Keep on seeing blackberries, so maybe it's it's blackberries I'm I'm getting. Yeah blackberries and some cherries now dark cherries very nice I can wax poetic about Barbera wines I just I've always been a Barbera fan so uh, they are uh, very popular in Italy Barbera you can find it but you can find some California Barbera I don't know if Barbera is a jungle out of any other country or any other state, I don't have an answer to that. I guess I can look up Barbera and find out. That would be a good thing to do since we're, I've got my great varieties. Let's look up Barbera and see what it says about where it is available. Oh, boy, they give a lot of Barbera Bernardi from Cortina, Barbera del Seto Nobello, Barbera Nobello, Barbera Sangiovese, 
Let's just go to Barbera by itself. Dark-skinned wine grape found in several Italian wine regions. And like so many Italian wine grape varieties, has ancient origins. Italy, 94% grown there, with 5% in the United States, 1% in Australia, and then not even a big percentage out of Argentina, Israel, South Africa, Mexico, and other countries. So Barbera is planted around the world, but not in uh, not enough to really make a difference in the percentages. Oh, sixty-five dollars fifty-seven. There's one fourteen out of Piedmont, Italy, 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 Italy. Uh, most of them are out of Italy. Let's see if this tells me anything more. Barbara de Alba. Uh, no, I, you know, it's just like almost all of these are Italy. I mean, they have a list. I have 20 pages of Barbera listed here, 20 pages of Barbera wine listed here. With I think there's 25 on each page. And every single one of them. Oh, there's a California. So, Barbera. If you're not familiar with it, get away from your standard Merlots and Zimitos and Cabs and grab yourself a Barbera. You will enjoy it. I've always enjoyed the Barbera wines. I think they're just really, really uh, a nice, pleasant wine that goes well with pasta. If you, if you have yourself some heavy red sauce pasta, well, we're talking Italy. Italian wine. If you're having yourself a very heavy red sauce pasta, the Barbera would go great with that. It would hold up very well with the acid of the red sauce and all that. And you can also, I wouldn't go too heavy on meats if I were drinking a Barbera. I would want to keep it a little bit toned down. If you're having a steak or something, I if you're going rare, then the Barbera would be good. So, uh, like I say, I'm a big Barbera fan. Before we get any further, though, I think we have a report on Florida State Winery Spice Wine that Mike's supposed to have drank this week. Yes, could not drink it this week. (laughs) Ah. Um, Yeah, I held the bottle up to the light before I uh, opened it because I just Uh wanted to you know, open it and find out later. And um, the color was good. Everything looked good. And then uh, it looked like, I don't know, something going across my field of view in the bottle as I was uh, holding it up to the light. And uh, there's some kind of fragments of something in it. Um, So I did not open it. Really? Yeah, but this other thing was like a, um, uh, I don't know what what you would, which would how to reference that it's it's a um i don't know it, it it wasn't it wasn't solid it wasn't flaky it was like a um i don't know what you think it it's it's hard to describe get a coffee um, filter get a coffee filter okay. get a coffee filter uh, over a glass uh rubber right. band it down or hold it down and pour a little bit of wine in there and let it filter through the coffee filter and huh. That'll that'll uh, filter out that sediments and stuff, and you can just do okay. a little bit to start with and taste it and see if it's worth you know spending time to do the whole bottle. 
but you can uh, clean it up that way. What if the thing that was kind of floating through it was almost like a liquidy type of thing? I, I don't know how to describe it. It's it was it was different. Um, mm. I don't I don't know what it is, but uh, it's definitely sealed. I mean, it still has the the wrap on and everything. I mean, and the cork is is you know definitely uh, definitely in there good. So uh, never been over. Do that, but um, yeah, I'll have to try that. Yeah, I'll do that. Coffee um, filter. Oh, oh yeah, open our uh, open up and take the coffee filter. And if you pour too much, it'll just drag the coffee filter right down to the glass. So like I say, pour it slow and it. It fills up fast. It won't drip as fast as coffee, but okay. it it will do do it. It'll it'll clean up, so you can do that. So cool. so we will okay. delay another week on my report. Yeah, I'll have to. Yeah, I definitely want to try it. That, that was definitely one of my favorite wines for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Try, try like filter filter and then see. All right. That's so. a good. Helpful tip. I'll have to put that in there. Yeah. So we will delay another week and we'll, we'll see what Mike did and see if he filters out the, the floaties yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. We Is this what I want here? I got. Uh, this is what I want. Yeah, this is what I want. Got some odds and ends. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Before I forget it, Shop Sonoma. <clears throat> Sonoma wines, they are good. They are available, and they are being ignored. I read an article stating that the sales of Sonoma wines has fallen down, and it's that perception of the fires is still hanging on. I know how that works. Uh, the hurricanes or anything that go through here, oil spills that hit Florida, any of that stuff, the people get the perception that it affects everything, and it didn't. Sonoma's still got some great wines coming out there. They still have some great prices. They still have some wonderful tasting wines. So shop Sonoma. Pick up uh, some wines that are from Sonoma when you go. Instead of grabbing your your usual label that you may be familiar with and look for, look on label and see if it says Sonoma. And if it does, then uh, you are, uh, you're set and you're ready to go and help them out and help yourself out and everything will be good. What? I'm looking at the wrong one here. I was just getting ready. I'm sitting there trying to find a date. Wait a minute. That's not there, is it here? Yeah, there it is. Okay. This is interesting. Speaking of smoke and Sonoma, there are going smoke in wine and how it affects it. The fires of the last couple, three years out in California and Sonoma and Napa and all that has really brought the attention to smoke taint in wine. Now, we've talked about smoke taint quite a bit. Mendocino Fire Complex fires were officially contained October the 4th, 2018. 
<coughs> Excuse me. Five weeks after igniting, they had burned approximately 450,000 acres in Calusa, Lake Glen, and Mendocino counties, making it the largest wildfire in California history. They destroyed 280 homes and other buildings. Its smoke destroyed the marker for wine grapes. Curing grapes near the fire would impart smoke flavors to the wine. Some wineries rejected all the fruit from regions that were close to the fire, particularly Lake County and Potter Valley, leaving the growers trying to find destinations for the grapes. You can't tell by the grapes. They really don't have a method quite yet. The one grower stated, I am six miles from the fire. Uh, I'm sorry, the fruit in my own vineyard, 60 feet across the street from where the fire started, had no smoke damage at all because the wind was growing away. But some areas had some serious smoke damage. $41 million hit to wine grape cells from Mendocino County. And it's all due to the fire. uh, Some of the grapes were left hanging on the vine. And instead of even trying to harvest it and do something with it, they left it on the vine. Uh, The need for industry standards regarding the impact of all land smoke on grapevines and resulting wines are becoming more and more critical. Um, Deborah Summerfield, president of Lake County Wine Grape Association, our commission said that it's something that needs to really be addressed fully because of the fires that are not just hitting California, but around the world. And I will talk about around the world in just a moment here too. Both the fruit and wine samples in the study showed a wide range of volatile phenol and glycoside concentrations, which indicated that the fruit was not uniform across the vineyards that was being sampled. And this is the problem with smoke taint. It's not consistent. Following wildfire exposure, researchers sampled fruit from 14 Cabernet Sauvignon vineyards, and as a control, fruit was also sampled from Napa that was not exposed to wildfires. They took the Cabernet Sauvignon grape samples from each vineyard to a local lab to analyze. The Cabernet Sauvignon wine samples were sent to the Australian Wine Research Institute, which is uh, which analyzed them. And they found no consistency in the smoke. The two compounds that we're checking, only ones that cause smoke flavors, uh, are the only ones that cause smoke flavors. Uh, But there's more than 70 other compounds in forest fire smoke that can produce undesirable flavors and odors. Uh, some comparable to like licking an ashtray, burnt garbage, a burnt potato, campfire that has been drenched with water. It's funny how you can think of all those when you just mention it. So it's all boils down to the taste of the wine after it's made, and that has always been an issue because smoke taint affects the grapes, but it's not really noticeable until the wine has been made. Red wines more so than whites because the red wines are kept 
with are made with the skin in contact. But an issue with the smoke in Mendocino, even a year, year and a half afterwards, is something that they're still still concerned about and still looking at and still trying to find answers to how to detect it and how to get it uh, well how to keep it out of the grapes or to let some way to find out about the grapes now speaking of fires catastrophic fires are sweeping through parts of South Australia and particularly the Adelaide Hills and Yorkie Peninsula with at least one winery's vineyards uh, has been believed to be damaged um, or destroyed. They're not sure yet. They can't get in there to really check on this. It is, um, they're experiencing three hottest days on record and maximum temperature hit a record 70.7 degrees Celsius, which conversion, I think that's like 112 degrees and uh, it was the hottest, hottest day that they've had in December. Now, they're in summer, of course. They're in the south, uh, southern hemisphere. But the Bureau has also warned of high winds, thunderstorms, and hailstorms uh, in uh, what is this, uh, South Australia. And the lightning strikes could cause fires. Uh, a statement published in social media the Conover Winery said they're facing their worst nightmare. While the staff are safe, uh, the vineyard at Western Branch Vineyard is badly damaged, and its barn and taste room, as well as other outbuildings, have remained intact. They are not burned, but the vineyard has been affected. Now, that's just one. This is dated, I want to say, yeah, the 20th. So this is six days ago that this report came out. Uh, they show pictures of the smoke, and I mean thick smoke, uh, which you commonly get with brush fires, very thick smoke. Uh, they are, uh, a statement reads, being out of the fire zone, uh, they are, one is simply lucky. This is the Petaluma and Bird in Hand Winery. Uh, they said it may be different as the winds and storms go through. Uh, they have four of the most uh, most dramatic days, and so far this season, they expect to have even more with issues from smoke and heat and all sorts of stuff. I believe that 700 homes have been destroyed in fires in Australia this year. 700 homes. We're Lamenting about the 250 in Sonoma. This uh, fires intensified in New South Wales back in November, and it has been sweeping around the area. So it's, uh, they're having an issue. I've got a couple other things about the South, uh, South Australia fires here that I'll get to in a moment. But uh, an issue, and with smoke, it is definitely not only burning up the vineyards, but also affecting the grapevines and everything else. So it is quite an issue. Wine in a can. We're familiar with this here in the United States. We've had wine in a can quite a bit. It's been around. I've talked about wine in a can. I've talked about here's an article from Harper's in United Kingdom. 
talking about wine in a can there. Uh, we see it on the shelves. We buy it. We drink it. Uh, we've talked about it. We've said all sorts of stuff about wine in a can here in the States. But United Kingdom, it's not catching on yet. Yet. They are becoming more and more popular. They're saying that uh, just sticking wine in a can and having a standard label says that it's probably going to increase sales. People are used to certain wines. I mean, people buy by habit, and they see the same wine in the can. They say, well, what? let's give it a try, and they think it's going to also help in. One thing, lower carbon footprint is a key feature that should be noticed for wine in the can, and people are noticing that because, well, a bottle's a bottle, and a lot of places aren't recycling bottles now. Cans, you can recycle. In fact, here in Pasco County, where I live, they don't accept bottles for recycling everything else, but they have no market for bottles. And they said the state of Florida has no market for bottles. So wine in the can, a smaller footprint for uh, carbon footprint and other obvious benefits in chilled cans as opposed to glass or plastic or paper cup wine stays in the cooler for longer and makes for a difference for the appeal to different age groups and unlike here in the united states who everybody does it uh, they study the generation y and z uh, and and I've written an article the other day. Where did they get Y and Z? Why, you know, what, what became, who named them Generation Y and Z? And millennials, even. That's millennials. So, but they said that these groups are making a difference. Uh, 30 to 45 year olds are more likely to purchase brands already recognized and consumed in a can. And they're looking at rosés and light white wines in a can for the summer, not really looking at red wines. But, and I'm talking England here, United Kingdom, all right? This is, I see United Kingdom, this is the whole country, but England particularly. 81% of those surveyed uh, research expect wine to do something a bit different when it is in this form. But it doesn't. Wine is wine. The findings drew on learnings from the craft beer category with the necessity of having a clear taste deceptor and an, an engaging story, which helps them, them people pick up wine in a can. The benefits of lighter and refreshing is a key element that consumers are looking for when thinking of wine in a can. So, this is something that they are communicating also. And this applies to the states as well as it does to the United Kingdom. Uh, producers, importers, suppliers, and retailers uh, want to be sure that uh, wines become part of a wider knowledge and that wine in a can is the same stuff you're drinking in the bottle, only it has other benefits. So... And it's not a big, you know, we, we talk about wine in a can, like it's something that's that's really exploding, but it's not. I mean, uh, only accounts for about 2 to 3% of total light wine sales in the United States. I mean, that's not much. They expect within the next three to five years, that's going to jump up to 20 to 30%, which is 
a lot. That's when you really start seeing the impact there. But right now, wine in a can is is about, you know, I think that 5% is what I read. This is two to the three, but I think it's 5%, which is still a lot, but it's not a, a substantial amount. So wine in a can in the United Kingdom starting to catch on a little bit. It's starting to happen a little bit more. And I think they'll never catch up with the United States, but I'll tell you, they're trying their best to do that. Okay, let's uh, let me find this next one in here. Uh, well, maybe it's over here. Well, that's irritating. I check these things out. I bookmark them so that I know. Oh, before I forget it too, wineries. Wineries are all looking at doing things on New Year's Eve. I get a list of them here that's having different events and stuff like that. Contact your local winery. Email, phone, go to the website, contact your local winery and see what's up coming up New Year's Eve. A lot of them will have celebrations. Some will have uh, toasts and, and different stuff. Some will be closing early, but you can still go out there and celebrate New Year's Eve up until they close. But check your local winery and support your local winery for New Year's Eve. It's always a good thing, and they really do appreciate it. Okay, red wine and your health. Time for another update. We have talked about red wine and health over the years, but it's always good to start talking about it again. Excuse me, because we hear bad things, so we like to talk about good things. Moderate consumption of red wine has been proven to have a positive impact on health due to the high content of antioxidants. Okay. Now, this is out of Eve, Eve, I guess it's just, I don't think it's Eve Digital, evewomen.com. Com.ke, whatever that is. I don't know. Dot, oh, dot C-O dot K-E. So, and it doesn't tell me what that means. Maybe down at the bottom. And when I go down to the bottom, it keeps scrolling up, so I can't get really to the bottom bottom. Uh, I don't know. But, what red wine can do for your health. Full of antioxidants, we know that. Grape skin is rich in antioxidants, which reduce the oxidative damage in the body and help prevent disease and cancer. Antioxidants also help reduce inflammation and blood clotting and can extend lifespan. Direct and to the point. People who drink approximately 150 milliliter of wine a day are shown to be at 
a 32% lower risk of heart disease than those who don't. Now, 150 milliliter of wine is, I think, like five ounces, four ounces, something like that. It's not much. You know, one glass of wine, one five-ounce glass of wine a day is what they're talking here, which 32% lower risk of heart disease. And it didn't say red. It just said wine. Drinking small quantities of wine help retain good cholesterol in blood. Bad cholesterol can be reduced by up to 50%. Wow. These are quite strong claims here. I don't remember seeing them that strong before. Well, that's good. A few glasses of wine a day has also been shown to reduce the risk of stroke in middle-aged men and may even lower blood pressure. Hear that, Mike? A few what? glasses of red wine a oh. day can reduce the risk of stroke and lower blood pressure. So you need to start having a glass of red wine a day. Red wine has also been shown to have a positive impact on dementia, depression, and insulin resistance in women. So even more good stuff coming out about red wine. And that's it. That's all I have to say in this article. I mean, that's, that was it's a very short article and very to the point, and that was it. And this is out of Eve, and that's all I see. I don't know what this is. Uh, Eve Woman, E-V-E-W-O-M-A-N, Eve Woman. So, Standard Media, wherever that is, whatever that is, we appreciate the big thumbs up on drinking red wine. South Australia again, I said I was going to re- Visit this particular article. Oh, that's sad. There's a building burned down here. South Australian wine industry decimated after brush fires raised one-third of the vineyards. The South government has emergency direct effect on the state out hills brush fire. And there's also including state's wine industry and Wine industry. The whoops, it jumped on me. I didn't get a chance to. Think of fast-moving blade wiped out a third of the reach of vineyards when it tore through on Saturday. Now this is the fourth. So this past weekend, Vice Chairman of Adelaide Hills Wine Region told the uh, ABC they were still assisting a number of well-known. Have been destroyed. Uh, we do what was eleven thousand turns are burnt. That makes up approximately one third of Adelaide Hills production. So for any industry to lose one third overnight Remains, they, they, they show pictures and stuff here, the remains of years, the remains of wineries. 87 homes in the region have been destroyed, along with almost 500 other buildings. Uh, the 
set up a $1 million fund, which will go toward helping people rebuild. The loss in line across the state has been immense, and is, in the coming months, community can use financial donations to help rebuild and get back on their feet. Uh, about 175 firefighters are still working on the blaze to contain it and uh, keep uh, any flare-ups down within its 127-kilometer perimeter. Uh, they are, let's see, the brushwork claimed the life of engineer Ron Steeth, who uh, got caught in Charleston on Saturday. Uh, it was smoke inhalation that killed him. Uh, they are still looking at areas and seeing if there's any other people that were caught. They haven't found anyone yet. Uh, 23 firefighters and serve police have suffered injuries, but uh, one firefighter was rushed to a hospital in a serious condition, but he is so far holding his own. So Australia, uh, Adelaide Hills, those are um, wine region. If you get your Australian wine, you will see labels as a area where wines are shipped here. Uh, since it is coming up on the first of the year, New Year's Eve, a little bit about a sparkling wine here. Here's one that you may not have heard of, but one that is good. Actually, when I asked people to bring me wine from different states when I was at the winery, and I was getting wines from all, I have wine from every state in the nation. I was, uh, people had brought me wine from just about well, double on some. Wine I got from New Mexico was a little bit unique because it was champagne. And I thought that was, well, unique. Uh, was New Mexico champagne. Well, there's an article talking about the New Mexican champagne. Uh, it's a uh, made in the, uh, oh, pops up a thing in the front of me here while I was looking at this. Made in traditional method. It is different styles. The... Uh, flavors are semi-dry. They're saying, depending on which ones you get. The uh, New Mexican grapes that they're using are Blanc de Blanc. Uh, well, that's the name of the wine. I just spotted that on there. Uh, the, their Blanc de Dinor was listed on spot number 23 in the Wine Spectator's Top 100 Wines in the World in 2011, and it sells for $100. Uh, 2013, Gruet, G-R-U-E-T, Gruet formed a partnership uh, to maintain its American legacy. Uh, 30-acre vineyard, uh, quality fruits. What? Oh, here, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, and Pinot Noir. So these are what they're using to make their wines. They make a Gruette Brut Rosé, a Gruette Brut, and a Gruette Blanc de Noir. 
the rosé sells for $19, 12% ABV. The Brut, $16, 12%. And the Grit Blanc du Nord, $16, 12%. So when you're looking for wine to celebrate, champagne to celebrate this coming New Year's Eve, Tuesday night, if you see it on the shelf, buy it. It doesn't say where the distribution is, so I don't know. But he, the father who came over and started planting is originally from France, and so he's got himself a great background in the champagnes and the sparkling wines that he makes. So let's see if you can't find that. Get something, get something local if you're looking for for some uh, wine, champagne for your celebration, look at something local. That's always, I think, a, a good idea, always a good idea. Okay. Now, we've talked about this quite often, the glassy winged sharpshooter. Serious, serious bug. Funny name, serious bug. Florida... And warm climates really do have a problem with the glassing sharpshooter. Because the glassing sharpshooter is the vector for Pierce disease. But it has been pretty much a Florida problem. Because, well... It just has. They are so strict on watching it everywhere else in the country that it is a problem here with Pierce disease and glassman sharpshooter. But it is spreading north. As it gets warmer and the winters are warmer, the bug can survive the winters. It can't stand the, the freeze, so it won't survive. But it, if it continues and doesn't freeze deep, then they're going to live. California's always been very cautious about this, as have other states and regions. Chile does not have a problem with Pierce disease or the glassing sharpshooter because they're basically shielded with the ocean on one side and the mountains, the Andes on the other. And they are very, very cautious about anything that's brought into the country, so they won't have a problem. But many Northern California growers have walk through their vineyards and have been seeing yellowing leaves described as scorched followed by dehydrated grapes and soon thereafter they lose the vines and that's Pierce disease the disease name dates back to 1892 when California uh, California's first plant pathologist Newton B. Pierce, and that's P-I-E-R-C-E, discovered its cause while working near Anaheim. Uh, before Pierce's discovery, the disease was known as Anaheim disease. And it, uh, in the early 19th century, Anaheim had been a major center for California wine industry. The cause of Pierce's disease is a little green bug called a sharpshooter, glassy winged sharpshooter, actually, uh, which pumps the bacterium, which is called uh, uh, Zylella fastodiosa. 
into the leaves when it sucks out the nutrients and it affects it with pure disease and they die. No cure. Now, I say no cure, but a couple years ago, I reported that Texas just came up with an immunization form. I don't know. I haven't heard anymore. Problem in California, however, is an invasion of the glassman sharpshooter is not native to the state and it could cause problems. It is likes to stay in areas where land lies between a river and, or, and a stream. And the leafhopper lives throughout the United States, but the disease is endemic in Northern California vineyards and in Florida. This article talks about California, but it's actually endemic here. And it's estimated to have cost grape growers over $100 million a year just in California alone. University of California, Davis, has been doing research, but they still haven't came. What? Do you want it more? Uh, no. Uh, they've been doing research on coming up with new hybrids that are resistant to the glycemic sharpshooter. The new grape varieties to combat perseids are a cross between two or more separate grapevine species. Now, the glassmaking sharpshooter attacks the Vitus vinifera grape. Now, this is the grape that is the ones that you're used to, the Cabernet Sauvignon, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Riesling, Merlot. These are all Vitus vinifera. That is not the only Great. These are imported from France, and this is our grapevines. But there are other grapevines, native grapevines in the United States, Vitus labrusca, Vitus, uh, uh, oh, I can't think right now, but Vitus labrusca and some others. Vitus, uh, uh, Vinifera, though, is uh, one of them that is attacked. But they are crossing a southwestern wild grapevine called the Vitus arizonica with the Vitus vinifera. The arizonica species carries a dominant gene that is resistant to Pierce disease. And so 19th century, that beat a, uh, back when they beat a root louse, uh, which is phylloxera, they recognized that the vines in the United States were resistant to it. So they created a hybrid that fitted onto the vinifera vines and North American rootstock. And that is basically what we have around the world. That's what they're trying to do now. They're trying to find a grapevine that can combat it and that will grow here. They have came up with three new varieties. University of Davis has came up with three new varieties. They are the Caminare Noir, C-A-M-M-I-N-A-R-E, Noir, N-O-I-R. The Passante Noir, that's P-A-S-E-A-N-T-E, Passante Noir. And the Errant Noir, E-R-R-A-N-T-E. All of which includes white varieties in the sauce. Okay. The... Caminare Noir is 50% Petit Syrah. Now, this is not to be confused with the Syrah grapes, also the former 
is a cross with Sarah in his bloodline. So Petit Sarah is different than a, than a Sarah. And 25% Cabernet Sauvignon. And then the other 25% would have to be the Vitus Arizonica. That would, you know, would be the other 25%. The Pesante Noir is 50% Zimadol, 25% Petit Syrah, and 12.5% Cabernet Sauvignon, with 12.5 being Arizona. And Arante Noir is 50% Sylvaner, which is a white grape, 12.5% each of Cabernet Sauvignon, Carignan, and Chardonnay. So uh, that leaves uh, about 12.5% of the Arizona grape. The two new white grape varieties are Ambulo Blanc and Caminante Blanc, each of which includes the red varieties in the cross. Excuse me. That is, Ambula Blanc is 62% Cabernet, 12% Carignan, and 12.5% Chardonnay. Caminante Blanc is 62.5% Cabernet Sauvignon, 12.5% Carignan, and 12.5% Chardonnay. So, quite a family tree there. Some of the plants will be available in 2020. And it seems that the names of these grapes uh, is as wines are going to be a little tough, they're saying, to sell. I mean, uh, I'm looking for a Caminante Blanc. Do you have one? Well, well, so I'm sure that they may come up with something else that's more consumer friendly, if you will. But trying to combat Pierce disease, which is an ongoing thing. I've talked about Pierce disease to uh, quite a bit of knowledge I've passed on about Pierce disease, and I've continued talking about it off and on for quite some time. And I find stuff and I pass on stuff, and then that's it. I don't hear anything else. It just it stops right there. The information stops. So uh, might be something I will do a little bit research on this week and see if I can find anything new on Pierce disease and the glassy wing sharpshooter and if it's spreading and what states are doing and if it's found in other places and stuff, it might be a good time. And if Texas has found a vaccination for Pierce disease and if I can find out where and what university and what department, which when you try to call any university, it is really a pain to try to get the right person in the right department because they don't just give you a phone number that says, you want to find out about Pierce disease, call university such and such at, and you know, they don't do that. So I will see what I can find out. In fact, that will be a project I'll work on this week, and I'll give you some up-to-dates on Pierce disease next week and see what we can find out about it. So, oh, 7.59. So it's a good time to end the show. Okay. Uh, I was trying to find our... uh, I need to make something noticed on here. Um, 
I was trying to find the um, – we had the – I forgot his name. The professor from UC oh, Davis, um, and we talked – and it just Greg. blew a blank. I couldn't find the episode. Was it Greg? Greg. Uh, uh, Gregory, Gre- Gray, Gregory was that it? Jones. Jones. Okay. He was. Yeah. Don't. He was. I thought he was. Um, he was in Oregon. He was uh, like no. Southern. Uh, he is in Oregon, but he changed schools. Oh, okay, gotcha. Because no. I talked okay. to him, oh, oh, not too long ago, and I had to trace him down because he was at the University of Oregon, and I called University of Oregon and. I said, I'm trying to find uh, Gregory Jones, and they said, oh, he's not here anymore. And I said, do you know where he is? And they go, wow, no, not for sure. So then I punched him online and all that stuff, and I finally found him. He's at, and I'm, I'm delaying a little bit here because I made a note, and I'm trying to come through my notes. I mean, I'm just so but uh, I had it here. I just saw it. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> Something about it. He like, oh, no. Yeah, I know. Right. Just like, you know, I hear you do that in time. So I know that. No, yeah. too. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Maybe that's why I didn't find him in my uh, my local file that I have uh, from 2000, whenever. Because um, I was looking for... UC Davis, but I would I would still have that. No. I don't know. No, he's, uh, he's not UC Davis. He's, he was up in Oregon. Oh, I can't find it now. Wow. Mm-hmm. I it was here. But he 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 is now at. Uh, he's still in Oregon. He's he's still in Southern Oregon. Oregon there you climatologist. Go. Southern Oregon yes. climatologist on her. Okay. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, so he's a Southern Oregon now. He's a climatologist for Southern Oregon, and and yeah. uh, and, and you know, I I called and asked him to call me back, and he was nice enough to call me back. We were talking about the fires, I think, and uh, mm-hmm. he was nice enough to call me back, which I a lot of respect for the fact that he did, as opposed to just ignoring me. And, uh, yeah. I also, uh, when I was doing a search on on um, trying to find a reference to it, I found us, and I didn't know we were on this. Uh, we're on Player FM. Uh, it's a section called Winemaking Podcast. There's there's quite a few on here, uh, but it says the uh, be- best winemaking podcast we can find. Updated December 2019, and right at the top is uh, all about wine. There's three of them across the page, and it says all about wine. It was updated seven seven days ago. It has your, wow. your uh, icon picture, and it has our description. I go, oh, really? Well, I had no idea cool. we were on there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So player.fm, we're listed on there as well. as uh, quite a few. There's, there's a few uh, wine podcasts out there, but... Um, yeah, there's a, there's there's quite a good following on that. I, I didn't know we were listed on there, so that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> something something well, cool. Thanks yeah. everyone for listening. And, yeah, uh, we will, not, yeah, I've never heard of that. I yeah, that's a that's a first. Um, but hey, we'll take it definitely. Yeah, our we'll next show, 
is going to be in 2020. Yeah, next year. And uh, we'll be on January the 2nd. And um, we will um, have another uh, a new new set of episodes uh, coming up. So uh, do, you know, definitely listen uh, then. And we'll see you after the new year. Everybody, please, 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 please be safe. Yeah. And if you have any topics you want to discuss in the new year, you know, then get a hold of us, Facebook or email. Because, uh, you know, we're always looking for new topics and stuff. So let us know. you have a favorite winery, let them know. Uh, we'd like to have them as a guest. Uh, we'd like to talk to them about their winery and uh, or vineyards or you know people in in the uh, the industry and somehow affects the industry. We'd like love to talk to them. I, I put a thing on yeah. there in the screen, but uh, has uh, that we're looking for guests. So uh, yeah, definitely uh, you know let them know about us and and put them in contact with us or let us know and that they're interested and we'll we'll contact them. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Like I, I I just noticed something here. I want to I, I want to tell you about because it just happened a couple of days ago. Uh, let me let me find it here. Uh, there it is. This and this is a quick article. But let, let me as soon as it comes up here. There it is. The headline is Serval dead in Philippines after drinking local coconut wine. Eight people killed and 300 taken to a hospital after consuming coconut wine. And it it says, it's it's a quick article, but let me go through this. At least eight people have died and hundreds were taken to hospital in the Philippines after drinking coconut wine believed to contain high levels of methanol, said Monday, and that just happened Monday this week. The victims attended gatherings over the weekend in the town of Rizal in the province of Laguna, southeast of Manila, and complained of stomach pains after drinking the wine known locally as Lambagnog, L-A-M-B-A-N-O-G, Lambagnog. Nine victims were in critical condition. They asked many of the doctors on holiday to report to work and attend to the patients. There were so many, they called doctors off of vacation. In total, 300 victims were taken to the hospital, all drank the same brand of wine that had been brought, been bought in the area. Uh, the town of Rizzo was put under a state of emergency, and local government imposed an immediate ban on sales of the beverage uh, Laminog, which is in high demand over the Christmas holidays. It is a public safety uh, event that they want to be sure everyone is going to be safe. So they um, put the ban on the cell of that. It is, oops, if I just uh, ensure that laminol products are safe for consumption. Much of the wine on the market is manufactured by locals in backyard operations. The government has previously warned against selling unregistered alcoholic beverages. A doctor said one of the byproducts of coconut wine fermentation is methanol, and the ingestion can cause blindness and death. Some manufacturers keep the methanol in the drink because it means greater volume and more profit. 
Last year, more than 10 people died from drinking coconut wine, samples of which were found by the government regulator to have high methanol content. So, uh, just last weekend, if you're planning on going to the Philippines, don't drink the coconut wine. You still with me? I guess you can hear me now. Okay. Yes. Hello? Okay. Yes. I thought I was hitting the right foot pedal. I guess I wasn't. Um, <laughs> so, so I try and mute. My, I try and mute this thing when I'm typing stuff, but uh, so I'm uh, typing. Okay. Missed the pedal to unmute. Um, so uh, yeah, interesting story. Um, yeah, wow, I did. Coconut wine. There. Laminog. L a m b a n o g. Laminog. Coconut wine that contains methanol. Mm. You would taste mm. that, wouldn't you? When you taste that when you first sipped it, when you go, yeah, oh, this I'm has methanol in it. I'm not going to drink this. I mean, we talk about everything else. I'm, you know, wow, yeah. it has a plummy uh, flavor. Has smell like berries <laughs> or tastes like berries? Wait a minute, is this <laughs> jet fuel? This, what is this? This tastes like methanol. This tastes like. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you would yeah, think would happen there. Mm-hmm. that it would be noticeable, you know. Yeah. Now, I've never had yeah. laminol, so I don't know what it's supposed to taste like. But, geez, if it's got methanol, you would. Yeah. Oh, well. Bad but, situation. Just, um, bad, but, yeah, yeah, I'm just, just wondering. Saw that, you know, just this last weekend. It's a holiday drink in the Philippines. I have a cousin who lives in the Philippines. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to email him and ask him about it. Tell me about lemon, lemonade. You know. Yeah. See, see, see what, what they say. What the, yeah. Yeah. If you can tell well, what it has it in there. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, All right. I'm going to tell you about oh. that since it was good. Very good. Yeah. We will be back January 2nd, 2020. And uh, thank you for tuning in again. And, um, 7 p.m. next week. There you go. 7 p.m. next week, January 2nd, uh, the new year. Be safe, and uh, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for staying with us this year and all the previous years, and we look forward to another uh, 2020 and uh, another new year of uh, good shows. So uh, thank you again, and uh, we'll see you after the Be safe. Be safe. Be safe, and we'll see you next week. Um, Yes, definitely. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on the show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archive shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. I don't know what that was. All right. Disconnect. Yep.